This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Fraudsters think that seniors are weak and they will heighten their efforts to defraud them. That's Detective Sergeant Cameron Field of the Toronto Police Services Financial Crimes Unit. March is Fraud Prevention Month and this year the police are zooming in on fraudsters who target Zoomers. Coming up, we'll tell you about the top three scams to watch out for. Mr. Sandman, Plus, that hour of sleep you lost last night when we turned the clocks forward may hurt more than you think. I'll have some helpful advice from sleep expert Dr. Charles Samuels. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Good news for Zoomers south of the border. Employers picked up the pace of hiring in February and older workers gained from that momentum. 236,000 jobs were created, nudging the unemployment rate down to 7.7%, the lowest level in more than four years. And for workers 55 and older, the jobless rate fell to 5.8% from 6% in January. A new study from the Ontario Brain Institute reinforces something we've reported many times here on the Zoomer Week in Review. Exercise can help ward off Alzheimer's disease. According to the report, if you're over 65, don't have Alzheimer's, and you're very active, you are an astounding 38% less likely to develop the disease than sedentary people the same age. What's more, if every inactive adult over 65 became active, one in seven cases of Alzheimer's in the province could be entirely prevented. Pierre Trudeau chose to die with his mind intact, even though it meant a shorter life. A new ebook from the Ottawa bureau chief for the Huffington Post reveals Trudeau refused treatment for advanced prostate cancer rather than face losing his famously sharp mind to dementia. Contender, the Justin Trudeau story is written by Althea Raj. She writes that Trudeau had been diagnosed with metastasized prostate cancer when his doctor told him he also had early stages of dementia. The prostate cancer could have been treated, but the former prime minister wanted the cancer to claim him before his mind declined. Justin Trudeau doesn't dispute the account, which suggests Pierre Trudeau made the decision about six months prior to his death on September 28, 2000. How long do you think you will live? U.S. researchers have developed a mortality index for people over 50. It determines your chances of dying in the next 10 years. The bad signs include getting winded, walking several blocks, smoking, and having trouble pushing a chair across the room. The test scores may satisfy people's morbid curiosity, but the researchers say their 12-item index is mostly for use by doctors to help them decide whether costly health screenings or medical procedures are worth the risk 
for patients unlikely to live 10 more years. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Are you feeling more tired than usual? The hour of sleep we lost by turning the clocks ahead last night can have a bigger effect than you realize. That's the reason there are always more accidents on the Mondays and Tuesdays following a time change. What can you do about it? I reached Dr. Charles Samuels of the Center for Sleep and Human Performance in Calgary. The fact is that the immediate consequence of a small amount of sleep debt is cognitive, so it's more memory and concentration. It's not health-related. However, the consequence during the time change would be the loss of an hour of sleep on top of a chronically sleep-deprived North American population in any case results in um, potential risk the following Monday morning, so tomorrow morning, uh, with the drive to work, so commuting. And so inattention while driving, they have linked or associated an increase in the frequency of motor vehicle crashes the Monday morning following Uh, the time change. And so those are really the issues. Can you try to catch up on that one hour of sleep today? Will that uh, prevent those bad consequences? Yeah, actually, that would be ideal, assuming that you went into the weekend properly rested. So that's the key, is that we tend to run around quite sleep-deprived, and the North American population would generally, 20 to 30 percent are believed to be about an hour down a day, so seven hours per week of sleep debt, which becomes more difficult to recover through either napping or weekend sleep-ins. And then if you add on this additional hour, it sort of compounds that. But if you were well-rested going into the weekend, you could easily adjust to that loss of an hour within a day or even on Sunday afternoon having a half-hour nap um, and maybe catching a little extra sleep on the Monday, you'd be fine. Now, our focus here at Zoomer Media is on the demographic we call Zoomers, which are people over 45, mm-hmm. older people who often have problems sleeping. Yes. You're now looking at a population that has a higher prevalence of sleep disturbance. So all the rules are off. Now we have an actual additional problem. And so this weekend can be quite devastating, not so much for the weekend, but for the week following. So number one is really the people who have difficulty with sleep, so insomniacs, will struggle to fall asleep and it will be exacerbated or made worse with the time change. And so often for insomniacs, we'll say actually during this weekend change, go to bed later. And they might accommodate better the week following by going to bed later and find it easier to get to sleep and not get anxious about not being able to fall asleep. And so that would be one piece of advice for insomniacs. The other group of people are people who have sleep disorders where they actually sleep, but they don't get rest out of their sleep. So the classic example would be snoring and sleep apnea, where people stop breathing in their sleep. And those people, again, are very seriously affected by more sleep debt. So, of course, getting more rest is important, and not being sleep-deprived going into this weekend is most important. To people who are, say, between 45 and 65, is it harder to fall asleep than it was when they were 30? And how is the time change going to affect them? Uh, Generally speaking, as we age, the key change occurs in the sixth decade. So we're fairly stable in our sleep, depending on our overall health, because that plays a role into sleep disturbance. But if we're healthy, 
actual biological changes in sleep don't start to really become a significant problem until the sixth decade. And then you're dealing with a brain that has a tendency to not be able to sleep as stable or as deeply and is more easily disrupted. Now, what about people who are over 65? That group is a, is a different demographic in the sense that as you get into the sort of seventh decade, now you're talking about a high prevalence of medical illness, whether it be osteoarthritis or some heart disease and other conditions, uh, chronic obstructive lung disease, that actually disturb sleep. For men, it can be waking up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night from an enlarged prostate, those kinds of disturbances, which really aren't a function of sleep. It's an external disturbance. And so you have more sleep disturbance related to other illness, also medications. Mm-hmm. So many medications that people take for their heart disease or their cholesterol can actually disturb sleep. Mm-hmm. So what should those people do? Well, they need to see their doctor and have that sorted through because that's complicated. What about exercise? It's, it's good for promoting sleep. Should people try to get more exercise? Oh, exercise in general? Absolutely. Yeah. Then the time of day that we sort of believe is best or optimal would be late day. Late day, as opposed to doing your exercise first thing in the morning. Why? Well, number one, first thing in the morning, most people are getting up early and curtailing their sleep to exercise, (laughs) which we seriously disagree with. And our advice would be do not compromise your sleep or recovery for exercise. Okay, Dr. Samuels, thank you very much for being with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Take care. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Every day all around the world, there are criminals who are trying to trick, cheat, hack, scam, and steal from innocent people, especially Zoomers. Well, March is Fraud Prevention Month, and in just a moment, I'll be joined by Detective Sergeant Cameron Field to find out how we can protect ourselves. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Do you know the top three scams fraudsters are now working on the internet and in your neighborhood? Detective Sergeant Cameron Field of the Toronto Police Services Financial Crimes Unit dropped by to give us the goods on grift, just in time for Fraud Prevention Month. What we're finding is that Toronto is not only getting more diverse, which is fantastic, but we're also getting older. And with the advent of cybercrime, social media sites, social networking sites, more and more seniors are getting on social media. They can be a vulnerable sector for fraudsters. And one of the saddest commentaries of this uh, kind of phenomena is fraudsters think that seniors are weak and they will heighten their efforts to defraud them. You know, thankfully, the vast majority of seniors are, are very alert, but it's a really concentrated effort. So we wanted to target that this year and heighten the awareness, not just for seniors, but also for their family and their loved ones and their friends. Now, are there particular types of fraud that Zoomers are more susceptible to? Uh, There's the famous, uh, the grandchild scam. Yeah, that's a classic one where uh, it comes through an email generally targeting a specific senior saying, hi, it's your your grandson. Uh, I'm in London, England. All my money's been stolen and my passport, and I need you to wire me money right away. And don't tell mom. Exactly. They just Keep it quiet. It's so embarrassing, and I, I really need it now, and there's this, this urgency to the call. And the senior's like, great, I'll, I'll go and get some money, and I'll wire it to you through you know, something like Western Union or Cash Stop or something, and nobody knows. And then the money's gone. 
So the advice for that is pretty simple. Just be, if you get something like that, call your grandchild. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where they want the senior to feel rushed. It all relies on that urgency and rush. And we simply tell people, don't be rushed. Take a few minutes. They're not going to leave the airport if they're truly at the airport. And just phone their parents or phone your grandchild on their cell phone. What are some of the other scams that people are prone to? One of the big ones that we see are uh, home renovation scams, where you'll get these fraudsters will target seniors that have been living in their house for, you know, upwards of 50 or 60 years, and it, it needs some renovation or it might not need some renovation. And they'll basically do like strong arm reno tactics on the senior saying, your, your roof is garbage and we need to replace it. And they could be very forceful or they could kind of go the opposite and say, hi, I'm, I'm Steve and, uh, you know, I want to talk to you about your house. It's beautiful. And just slowly through, through, you know, killing them with kindness, start to fraudulently squirrel their way into the person's life. And then next thing you know, they front them $5,000 for the roof that's never going to get fixed. And we see that one a lot. So what is the advice? Just kind of slow everything down and say, what makes you think I need a new uh, a roof or siding or something like that? And I'm going to get a second opinion. That always helps. Or, you know, just give me your card because I'm going to phone my, my son or daughter or my, my grandchildren or something like that. I'm going to have them have a look. And at this point, the fraudster is going to know that the senior is very targeted. They're forceful. They, they have full control of their house and they're just not going to come back. And often the advice is, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So what are some of the scams where they promise that you're going to get rich quick or whatever it is? You know, it's funny. Uh, I've actually uh, received an email at my Toronto Police email address saying, <laughs> saying that I'd won $2 million. And I said, I can't believe this. This is fantastic. And I, I got really excited and I you know, ran around the office and screamed I'm rich. But all I had to do was mail in or wire $2,000 for a, like a service fee to win the big kahuna. The adage is, if it is or it seems too good to be true, it definitely is not true. Anything else? I, I still want to stick with this area of cybercrime. Yeah, one of the things uh, with cybercrime is the romance scams. And these fraudsters will, will approach someone through a social networking site, a dating site, or, or something like that, and just have a full-on focused interest in their victim and uh, one of the hallmarks of the, the romance scam online is within 48 hours of never seeing the person, they're professing this profound love. Okay. And that's the biggest flag. And then next thing you know, there's requests for money. Uh, right. Just, just send me money and I'll be able to fly here or whatever. Exactly. And I'd love to come and see you because I'm in love with you, but I can't afford my ticket. Or something has happened at home. My, one of my kids is in trouble. Can you send me money? Those are all hallmarks of the romance scam. And it's actually very common. We think it's... Uh, like wildly underreported because people are embarrassed. Yeah. It says, you know, I fell for someone on Hotmail, and uh, why would I tell anybody? They're going to make fun of me. Or uh... It's really unfortunate because with the romance scam, there's actually two levels of victimization. There's a financial loss, but emotionally they're devastated because yes. they actually fall for them. If you are a victim, as you said, people are going to be embarrassed. What do you want to tell people about reporting and how to report it and how to tell people? They don't have to tell their family anything. We would encourage people to come into their community police station. You know, we educate our officers all the time about the, the problems with fraud and fraud reporting. We work with all of our stations closely from the financial crimes unit. And people can come in and just say, look, I think I've been defrauded. It's a romance scam. Our officers know what that is. We track all the numbers. And they can also call Crime Stoppers. Okay, Detective Sergeant, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. 
We want to hear from you. If you or someone you love has been targeted in a scam, email your story to Zwire, Z-W-I-R, at zoomeradio.ca. Meanwhile, you can find more tips on fraud prevention at carp.ca. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. This week, we lost a Canadian icon. In just a moment, we'll return to pay tribute to Stompin' Tom Connors. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time now for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In Los Angeles, see a tribute to 20th century choreographer George Balanchine, who was trained in Russia and eventually began the New York City Ballet. On the 30th anniversary of his death, the Los Angeles Ballet opens a three-month festival centered on seven of Balanchine's greatest works. To London, England, where the majesty of the courts of Henry VIII and Elizabeth I, to Ivan the Terrible and the early Romanovs are revealed in a major exhibition. Treasures of the Royal Courts is at the Victoria and Albert Museum. And in Paris... A show about the famous French singer Edith Piaf is at the Downu Theatre... I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. Hello out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. This week, Canadians from coast to coast shared their grief and paid tribute to Stompin' Tom Connors, who passed away at the age of 77 on Wednesday. He was born in St. John, New Brunswick, but left home at the age of 15 to hitchhike across the country. For the next 13 years, he sang and wrote songs for his guitar. His big break came at the age of 28. He was in Timmins, Ontario, and was a few cents short of a beer. The bartender at the Maple Leaf Hotel let him perform a few songs in exchange for a few drinks. That performance turned into an agreement to perform regularly at the hotel, a radio appearance, and a record deal. From there, Tom went on to become one of Canada's most prolific songwriters, writing over 300 and releasing dozens of albums. He earned a reputation as a Canadian folk hero and was nicknamed Stompin' Tom because of his habit of forcefully stomping his foot to the rhythm of the music. His most famous tune, the hockey song, is played at every Maple Leafs home game and in hockey arenas all across Canada. But another song of his really shows the love Stompin' Tom had for his home country. It's the tale of a humble potato being shipped out of Prince Edward Island. Here is Bud the Spud. It's Bud the Spud from the bright red mud, rolling down a highway smiling. The spuds are big on the back of Bud's rig. They're from Prince Edward Island. They're from Prince Edward Island. Now from Charlottetown or from Summerside, they load him down for the big long ride. He jumps in the cab and he's off with the bright sabagos. 
He's got to catch the bolt to make Parmentine. Then he hits up that old New Brunswick line. To Montreal he comes just a flying with another big load of potatoes. It's Spud the Spud on the bright red mud. Rolling down the highway smiling. The Spuds are big on a back of Bud's rig. They're from Prince Edward Island. They're from Prince Edward Island. Now the Ontario Provincial Police don't think much of Bud. Yeah, the cops have been looking for the son of a gun that's been ripping the tire off the 401. They know the name on the truck shines up in the sun. Green Gables. But he hits Toronto and at 7 o'clock when he backs her up again the terminal dock and the boys gather round just to hear him talk about another big load of potatoes. It's Bud the Spud from the bright red mud rolling down the highway smiling. The Spuds are big on the back of Bud's rig. They're from Prince Edward Island. They're from Prince Edward Island. people from east to west that like the spuds from the island best cause they'll stand up to the hardest test right on the table so when you see that big truck rolling by wave your hand or kind of wink your eye cause that's bud the spud from old pei with another big load of potatoes it's bud the spud on the bright red mud rolling down the highway smiling because he's got another big load of the best dug gun potatoes that's ever been growed. And they're from Prince Edward Island. They're from Prince Edward Island. That was Stompin' Tom Connors with Bud the Spud. Stompin' Tom passed away this Wednesday at the age of 77. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me this week. Please come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bandry. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.